after a masterclass, some of the best football we've seen in Europe last night. Chelsea have also got their groove back, or have they? We're going to discuss that and lots of other stuff in today's episode of One Kick from Glory. I'm joined by Matthew, mm-hmm. who's very happy about Chelsea and their groove, and Marcus. Hey. And we are all very happy about Chelsea and their groove because it benefits us in more ways than one. But we're going to start right there with the worst club in London, statistically, which is Chelsea. Um, wasn't really hard this season to kind of assess that, but you are the worst club in London. But you got your first win under Frank Lampard, under reign number two. Your first win in a long, long time. Um, how does it feel to be back? We're safe. I can, stop back. I can stop talking about this whole 40 points nonsense. We're now on 42, which is great. So yeah, I can say I'm safe. I can, I'm relieved. I can relax. I can breathe. And I can know next game against Forest and a few games after that, I can relax. So now mentally and physically, the probably players are on the beach right now. But <clears throat> as the game was going on, as per usual, you know, we get a goal, then they score. I then found out it was a long range goal. And I was like, sounds like typical us. And the hope kind of like, it didn't sit in for a while. Like it didn't, I didn't feel too positive. And then I got the vibration because it was on um, Sky Sports, um, Sky Sports uh, Soccer Soccer Saturday. I was like, another goal has come through at the Vitality. I'm like, oh no, here we go. And then I saw the two. And then I saw the three. And I'm like, hey, am I I watching the same Chelsea here? And then, you know, I'm hitting them. They're passing us around the park. We're not doing great, but we're taking our chances. At the end of the game, I was just like, you know what? I'll take it. It's a good day. It's a bank holiday weekend. No work on Monday, Chelsea win. So you, you, these things don't come around very often. We've been kind of like, we had two bank, bank holidays back to back and Chelsea got a win in at least one of them. So, you know, I've got, I've got to take the wins when I can. This might be the last win we get in the season, but hopefully not. But hey, look, I'm a happy man. We're safe. We're good. Potch is coming through. Players looked relatively kind of happy. So hey, look, positivity all around this time. All good. Yeah, I think it, it was definitely a positive um, result to end what has been a tricky spell for, for Chelsea. Obviously, I did say at the previous podcast, I wonder what it's going to take for Poch to come in. Will he really wait till the end of the season or will he kind of jump in a bit sooner? But it seems like end of the year, that's going to be the reality for him. I just want to touch on something for you, Marcus. Obviously, looking at how the game panned out, and I, I was quite curious as to whether it was, was the win down to Chelsea dominance or was it more down to... Um, Bournemouth's profilicacy in front of goal or maybe their general incompetence in, in the match. But what was your take on the performance? Do you feel like it's a big sign that Chelsea are back or do you think it more lays more on the side of Bournemouth being a bit wasteful? Um, it, it wasn't dominant, was it? Like, you know, it, it was a good result. They got across the line. They, they got the win in a game in which, in all honesty, they weren't expected to win based on past form so you know you, you you look at it and you say three points in the bag we're safe you know we move on we move like Bournemouth haven't gone above us um happy days if you're if you're a Chelsea fan I think I think from the neutral perspective it leaves some interesting questions because you know Chelsea are going to have a potentially big say in the title race and a big say in the top four race so you know I think um I think there's still enough question marks there around whether or not they're going to be good enough to take points from any of them other teams um, along the way. But let's just say that, you know, we're finally glad that Frank Lampard has got a win 
under his belt and he's not going into, you know, them big games that Chelsea have to play for everybody else with no wins. So, you know, although it is slightly disappointing that Frank Lampard didn't go the entire reign of Chelsea without a point. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And like you said, it, it is... It is there's almost like bigger fish to fry on the horizon for both of our teams and also for Chelsea because that, you know, every place you rise up in the table, that's more money. Not that you need it, but for financial fair play's sake, you might actually need it. it might save you not selling Madrid to Arsenal for 35 million pounds plus five million add-ons. The, the price is going down every week. Um, right, next week will be 30 million, right? <laughs> but um, but I, want, I wanted to pick up on something. Um, to both of you, but I'll start with you, Matthew, then with um, you, Marcus, because Conor Gallagher made, um, you know, got a start. It's been a few games since he's actually gotten in the 11 for Chelsea and he got back the goal, very crucial goal, very good goal, well-worked mm. goal. I was quite impressed, actually, with the build-up play, Kante's pinpoint cross and Gallagher just getting in the danger area and putting his head where it could potentially hurt and getting a good header on it. But he made a comment at, at full-time to say that, you know, obviously, at, you know, First and foremost, this is not Chelsea. And he's mm. right. What we're seeing is not Chelsea. But he said that, you know, it's glad that the fans can finally see what they've been working on in the training ground at Stamford Bridge. And it got me thinking, like, with with the pattern of playing, for you, um, Matthew, do you feel like there, in, the, in these last couple of games, even though the results haven't quite gone your way, has there been slowly signs of something that Lampard might have? A little bit of the quote-unquote Lampard sources coming to, to, to fruition. That source might be still out of date, but is it coming to fruition? Oh, look, it's been one game. We won't know until at least we see it in the one, maybe even two games. You know, in the day, as good as Bournemouth were, it's like we kind of case of we took the chances that we had. Mm. The players that scored, the players that are going to have a future in this club, you know, they, they're going to be here for a while. Yes, I know Ziyech got an assist, but he's not going to be here for much longer. It, I'm glad that he's saying that, you know, this is what we're trying to do on the pitch. That's great. But, you know, that only really holds merit when you get a result here and there, not when you're having six on the bounce, not losing and barely scoring. So I'm um, great. You know, it gives us a bit more of an insight to what's happening in behind the scenes because what we can do is really speculate and guess and for all we might know, we might be very, very wrong. So they might be doing all this great stuff in, in training. I have possibly, possibly really, I really have no doubt. It doesn't matter if you don't, you know, unless you put it on the pitch and you start communicating and working together as a team. That's why I made it a point there. It's like, we should be really playing the players that have some kind of future in the club that do mm. have some longevity, you know, like in Madrix, like Sir Fernandez, like in Jao Felix, he scored again as well. You know, so he's hopefully, fingers crossed, have a future at this club. Kante, I'd love to have another year of him. He's going to probably do some good damage once he gets properly fit. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the players that Frank knows are playing on this squad. You know, he know he's... Where his managerial chops question, you know, he can question his chops as a manager. But one thing he can do is work with younger players with a point to provoke, point to prove, mm. like the likes of Gallagher. You know, scoring he's like what two or three times now since yep. Lampard's time. So that only really holds water if we get some good results to in the last four games or something. Like we've got Forest next, we're at home. That will be a proper statement. We haven't had a home win for like at least nearly two months. What we, what we, which is for us, considering our home form is normally like rock solid, it's kind of a crumbling mess at the moment. But if he can get a performance, whatever we see on training work and we get some goals and keep a clean sheet, I'll be more inclined to believe him. So, but for the time being, it's just like, you know, it's mere speculation at the moment. We need to see a little bit more proof. 
Yeah, I want to jump right on that point about these last fixtures. And I had over to you with this one, Marcus. So like Matthew said, they've got Nottingham Forest coming up this weekend at home. They haven't won in a long time at home. Nottingham Forest had a brilliant comeback game against Southampton uh, last game week, which might may be the result that sends Southampton down. But I still think they might surprise some people. But let's look at the rest of it. So then after that, you've got Man City. You've got Man United. Two away games in Manchester. You might as well just stay there for the week. <laughs> and then you've got Newcastle to end it all off. So that's, that's you know, that realistically, for, for both our teams, actually for all three of our teams, I'm looking at 12 points there. Mark, what's your take on, on Chelsea's um, prospects in those final, uh, those final four games? Yeah, look, I, I think... I think for me, as a Liverpool fan, looking, you know, at it purely with my own selfish hat on, I I almost see it as like Chelsea have two chances to do as a favor, right? Like they play Man United. If they bottle that one, then we get to the final game of the season, and they've got Newcastle. And as long as we can be within three points of Newcastle, then let's hope they don't bottle that one, right? Like that. That's it's kind of how I'm seeing it at the moment. I don't care what happens against Forest. I don't really care about you winning at home. Um, I personally just care about the games that affect us, um, as I'm sure Clive feels the same way from an Arsenal perspective. Um, if, if, it's, if it's more likely that Chelsea are going to perform well against Man United and Newcastle, if they win at Forest, then I'm all for you beating Forest. Um, you know, but, but ultimately, that, that, that's really kind of how we view it. From a, from a kind of bigger picture perspective, I don't think it matters too much to Chelsea at this stage. You know, Chelsea's Chelsea's reality is next season. Mm. Um, new manager. This is why I don't really care what Conor Gallagher's talking about, about how things are looking good on the training field. Who cares? Like, you're going to have a new manager, new system, new process, new everything. Like, you know, you might not even be there come the summer. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all that big of a deal um, for Chelsea in that regard. You know, sure, they'd like to end the season well, but we all know it's been a horrific season for Chelsea and they're going to have to rebuild and start again net next year. So Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work for Chelsea to do. It's going to be a, a big job for whoever takes over this Pochettino. Whether Lampard gets it for the season, I mean, I'm, I'm not against that. I'm really not yeah. against that, especially if he wins, if he wins the next four I games. Am. Beats Man City comfortably away from home. I think that's a good shout to get the job. Not there yet. I never, I never said that. Well, you don't have to, but I think like, you know, I might, I might, I might have said a good little tweet to Todd Bowley and, yeah. and James Corden for another favour. You know, he might be in business. Jason, James, stay in America. Todd, no, just no. But um, yeah, we're going to move um, down from, you know, like I said, it's a good good result for you guys. And I feel that, yeah, it's one match. It's very hard to assess it in the grand scheme of things. I did see some positive shoots from you guys in that Real Madrid game, which you were unfortunate not to convert it into, into more back then in, in the quarterfinals, you know, but it's Real Madrid, it's very hard to kind of get a result mm. against them, as Man City learned last night. Um, although they put up a good fight, um, lots of talk online about the the goal, the equalising goal and the fact the ball went out of play, but it's the second phase of play, so it's kind of, depends how you look at it. Could the throwing have made a bigger difference to the, to the match? Maybe, but it doesn't matter. We should defend better, we should play better. And the pass out was a bit poor. But moving on to a team that are just flying right now, can't stop flying. Momentum is with them. They have the whole of a quarter of the north of the of the country backing them all the way. And some of us in the south as well. That's Liverpool. Very very pleased with this resurgence on the Jurgen Klopp after all the early season talk of the concerns and of the 
oh, Jurgen might need to start looking over his shoulder because, you know, this is not what we expect. And he set high standards. And when you don't live up to those high standards, you have to deal with the punishment. And thankfully, your owners are competent enough to trust him, but incompetent enough to not do what other owners would do and get him out, which is good. So it's 50-50. But, um, but for you, Mark, how happy are you with what you're seeing with Liverpool and in this, this run you've been on? Yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, we, we're playing good football. Um, things are coming together nicely. Um, Trent looks good in this inverted role. Gives me hope that he'll be able to transfer fully into midfield next season. Um, you know, most important thing is we're getting the results. Like, you know, the Fulham game got across the line 1-0. Um, you know, it, it it was it was what needed to be done. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't wonderful. Same with Brentford, like one nil, get across the line, get the goal. You know, they had lots of set pieces and we defended for our life, which is great to see because I remember the last time we played Brentford and they beat us three nil, three one, and they tore us apart on set pieces. Um, so you know, good to see, and you know, I think I think all in all, you know. This is this is what you think about when you look at this kind of run into the end of the season is that, you know, it might be a little too late, but Liverpool are the only proven team in that hunt for the top four that know what it is to go on a 10, 15 game unbeaten run because we've done it time after time after time. You know, to be fair, if you go if you go back and look across the last five seasons, Liverpool will have probably gone on a 10 game unbeaten run in every season. So, like, this team are experienced in going unbeaten and going unbeaten when it matters and getting the wins. Where You know, we got Leicester, we got Aston Villa, we got Southampton in our final three games. They're all very winnable games. They're all games that Liverpool should realistically be coming out of with the points. Um, and when you look at Man United, you see a team that has played a lot of games and they look tired. And, you know, they, they look... They look exhausted. Now, they may have the benefit of enough home games to get them across the line, um, but you do have to ask the questions, you know, are they going to struggle? Like, you know, when you thought Wolves at home felt like a comfortable game, now you look at it and think, but, you know, this United team looked tired and they lost to West Ham at the weekend with, you know, some mistakes along the way. And, you know, then when you look at Newcastle, you look at a team that, you know, again, whilst everything has just been shining gloriously for, you know, the Toon Army, they're a team that have not been here before. And you almost get the feeling with this Newcastle team that even though it would slow down the momentum of progress for the club, Europa League would still be an incredible success for them in the in the journey and in what they're building. And if you'd have offered them fifth at the beginning of the season, they'd have probably taken it. And I think they, they'll feel the nerves if they have to go to, you know, Chelsea final game of the season and, you know, be still in contention of a battle for that top four spot. And then when you look backwards at Brighton, they were the other team that you thought, okay, maybe Brighton could leapfrog Liverpool here because they're on great form. And then the football gods do what the football gods do and they lose 5-1 to Everton. And you're like, wow. Like, and now they've got Man City, um, Man City, Newcastle and... Um, Man City, Newcastle, and another top team. I can't remember who it is. Um, awesome. It might be, it might even be you guys, Arsenal. Yeah, um, in yeah. their final, in their final five games, and you think, well, they're not going to finish top four, but they're also going to have a big impact 
on, again, the title and the top four. Like, for Chelsea and Brighton, two teams that have got a big impact on what's to come. Um, but I say all that to say that I think Liverpool, whilst they may have left it late, they still are probably the best positioned team as it stands to be able to make that happen because they think they'll win all their games. Whereas you look at Newcastle, you look at Brighton, you look at Man United, and you think there will be points dropped. It's just, will there be enough? Mm, yeah, that, that's, that's a big, big, big point. I mean, you know, you did touch on Man United's fixtures and, and it's going to be a bit tricky for them because they're not really in the best of form. Uh, I, I'm expecting them to lose at least two of those games. One of them being, of course, the Chelsea game. I think that should be a big defeat for them. And then depending on where they are in the table, I think Bournemouth might need those three points. I, I think they're safe, but they might need those three points. They might want them anyway to put a statement down. And Wolves as well, they're in a position where they're just outside of the teams that I'm considering for the drop. But it's all to play for, really. So it's not over yet. That makes it really, really interesting. For you, um, Marcus, just back to you on this quick point. Obviously, Curtis Jones has been having like a nice little run of form, a good patch of play. How, how highly do you rate him and what do you think has been missing that's now appearing in his game? Um, I don't rate him super highly, um, but I think he's been good and done a job. And I think, I think you know, the thing about what you're seeing from him is is probably just enough of a run of games. Like, you know, he's, you know, it's hard to get six or seven games in a row in that Liverpool midfield when you're Curtis Jones, but look at look at Stefan Bajitic earlier in the season, um, got a run of a substantial amount of games because the midfield weren't great and managed to really show himself good on that. And I, and I think the thing about Curtis is look, he's a local lad and, you know, he's, he's always going to be liked, um, you know, at Liverpool. And with the likes of Milner likely moving on, um, and I think what needs to to be the, the the movings on, and you know, this is the fundamental damage of where Liverpool have kind of fallen apart, is that you know there was the Fabinho Henderson, um, Fabinho Henderson Milner midfield that did its job and worked well. It's aged, and two of the three of them replacements have done nothing to really step into the team, and that's Naby Keita and Oxley Chamberlain, and. They're, they're going to need to be moved on, I think, this summer. Um, so if you're able to move on Naby Keita, move on Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Milner's going to, you know, gracefully bow out and go play somewhere else where he gets to play every week, what what a fantastic legacy he's left as a Premier League player. Um, I think there's a place for Curtis Jones. Um, I think it's that place along with, you know, Besic, Harvey Elliott, where... You know, now they don't need to play so many games and we don't need to have a lot of pressure on them. But they're there, they're squad players, 30 minutes here, 60 minutes there, you know, filling in the gap, doing what needs to be done to help us through a long season. Um, and, and, and and I think that's probably, you know, a position that Curtis Jones at this stage would probably be still quite happy with. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I think, you know, you often forget about Navigator and, yeah, and Ox absolutely. because they're just never available. <laughs> Um, but, you know, moving from one player that, you know, you don't see often to a man that is always the centre of attention and he rightfully showed, Mr. Mo Salah. He has been very much disrespected this year. So we're going to take a second and say, Mo Salah, you're having a great year. Below your normal standards, but better than most players, you know, better than most. I want to talk to you about that, um, Matthew. Like, he's having a really good run of goals. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's not far behind Kane and the, and the, the alien. Um, <laughs> but, like... 
<laughs> and I think that's the thing with players when they set such high expectations. Like even looking at Cristiano Ronaldo last season at Manchester United, when you take a, a step back and you review his numbers and review his contribution, he was actually was their best player. Mm. And yet the absolute disrespect that happened this year and how they how he left, it's just unacceptable. I'm sorry. 17 goals. That's, that's why you're going to suffer as yeah. the season ends. You know, that's your punishment. No more top four for you <laughs> lot. But um, yeah, how, how do you rate what Mo Salah's done this year? Got to put some respect on the guy's name in the end of, like, towards the end of the season. I mean, Liverpool gone on like a bit of an... Un, un, I think what they've done is quite similar to what Newcastle did earlier in the season, where they just went under the radar, just kept doing their thing. They were kind of written off, though Craig was like adamant they could still make top four. And it kind of looks like that, that gap is getting smaller and smaller. And that's like in no part down to someone like Mo Salah, who, like Marcus said, all right, how the season has gone is not ideal. But remember... Like Man City, they're experienced in this kind of level. So it's like, if any team knows how to get back somewhere, if any team knows how to compete for something, I mean, they were competing for four trophies at the same time last year. So it's in them to compete for something, you know, like, you know, it's not a trophy, but top four is still, you know, you get more money, more influence, better players. Jurgen Klopp keeps his job, you know, where at one point it was in doubt. They know what it's like to be at a level where we can get something, so let's go ahead for it. And because of that, you know, He's able to achieve third place in the Golden Boot rankings, which considering you're going against Harry Kane and, you know, the alien is no feat to be kind of laughed at his, you know, the contributions he's made towards the end of his season, proof from putting into the table. They're catching Manchester United right now, a somewhat talented but inexperienced team at the moment because they've you know, obviously got the League Cup, they're going to be fighting for the FA Cup. Sort of out of sorts at the moment. Their wins haven't been massively convincing. I mean, the Aston Villa one wasn't all that convincing. Then the, the obviously loss against West Ham, you know, and one factor in that is that Marcus is no, no, sorry, Marcus Rashford's not scoring at much at the moment. And when he's not scoring, the goals kind of dry up just a little bit. I mean, he's been going on steam for most of the season and he's done, he's had a fantastic season. But what because of what he's had with his, you know, the troubles he's had with the Euros and things like that, he's lacked that kind of maturity to kind of be like, I need to get back to football. Whereas someone who's most like Mo Salah realizes that, you know, at the level he's performed at since he's been in Liverpool for the past five years, has been able to find, uh, like, you know, somewhat of maybe a third of the form that he got to, that he's, he could normally do, which, are, granted, is not his best, but better than a lot of other people on their best day. In fact, let me let me just re reel off some stats for you. So this these are the top ten goal scorers in the Premier League this season as of recording. Number one, actually, we'll go from ten up. So ten, we've got Bukayo Saka with thirteen goals. Ollie Watkins uh, in nine with fourteen. Martin Odegaard in eight with fifteen. Callum Wilson and uh, Martinelli both tied in seventh with fifteen goals. Premier League. Yeah, all just Premier League. Uh, Rashford in fifth on 16 goals, Mo Salah in fourth on 19 goals, Ivan Tony third with 20 goals, Harry Kane's got 26, and Erling Haaland, the robot, is 35. So it just goes to show that he's not that far off. He's not far off catching Kane. You know, if he bags a hat-trick in any of these, he gets a couple hat-tricks. Some good scoring numbers, you know. Last couple of games, he might he might get himself in that in that top shot. For you, for you, Mark, looking at what you know how the season's gone for Mo Salah and how People need to put some respect on his name. Um, what are you kind of hoping for from him in these last three games? Obviously, there's a big push on, as we've said, for, for Champions League. And, and I, I think you will make it in the end. I, I do not trust the red side of Manchester at all. 
They are, they are, they, they may not know it, but they're also bottle jobs. It's like, they just don't under, they just haven't accepted it yet, you know? But I love that you have your Carlin cup or Carabao cup. Well done. But <laughs> what's your expectations now for Mo Salah for the rest of the season? Look, Salah in all competitions has got 41 goals and assists contributions in 47 games. Like, Marcus Rashford's got less than that. Victor Osherman's got less than that. Like, like these are players that are raved as to be having great seasons. Harry Kane's got less than that. Who's apparently like in contention for Player of the Season with his performances this season, outside of you know uh, um, Erlen Haaland, um, obviously um, Brock Lesnar. Um, but everybody's saying that you know if it wasn't for Haaland, Kane would be you know the Player of the Year. It's like well, not sure about that. Um, so yeah, I think I think Salah is highly disrespected, um, you know, because of how good he's been in the last, you know, handful of years. Um, and, and yeah, like, you know, like say, he, he's hitting that, he's hitting that 40 mark um, on goals and assist contribution, which is huge. Um, you know, I, I think the only thing is he's not got as many goals as he would like in the Premier League. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the key for the next three games is Liverpool win games. And if that means Salah scoring goals or creating goals, that he's contributing to us getting across the line in these next three games with nine points. Um, and and that's that's that. Like, and we'll see where that leaves us. It's the, you know, it's the first season in a handful that, you know, at this stage we've not been competing for trophies and that's going to be different. Um, but I, you know, I, I listened to an interview with, with Mo Salah, um, with Rio Ferdinand a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, one of the things that was clear from that interview is that, that that's produced a hunger in him. He's like, look, I don't like this. Like, this is not where I want to be at this stage in the season. So, you know, here's hoping with a couple of new signings next year that, you know, we're, we're back competing where we need to be. But, but yeah, like, I, I make the point to say, I think you're, you're at a different level when people can say you're having a bad season when you've scored 41 or got 41 goals and assists, um, you know, in 47 games. If that's a bad season, then you're basically in the same standard as Mbappe, Haaland, and in the past, Messi and Ronaldo. You know, when you put it that way, that's a crazy thought and it's a true point, you know. And even like looking at, you know, the game the other night between um, Madrid and Man City, everyone's talking about Mbappe and Haaland, but Vinny Jr., should also be in that conversation now. And you yeah. know, like you said, Mo Salah should also be in that conversation too because he's putting up numbers every year. He's, he's a threat. He's a problem. And, you know, he's doing what he needs, needs to be done to fire Liverpool to Champions League football again. As, you know, as we know. And talking about firing, no, no one's been sacked yet. But um, talking about fiery encounters, indefinitely. We had the we had the game between up north, Arsenal versus Newcastle. We we got our points. Thank you very much. Um, a lot of chat online about some of uh, Arsenal's um, game management tactics. All I have to say back to that is good. You got a taste of your own medicine after the crap you lot pulled at the Emirates. Don't come crying on the in online now talking about how Arsenal wasted tactics. And big up Dan Burns, who actually said it right. We did the same thing to them. We can't complain now. Fair point. To tell your manager next time, don't cry like a little wuss. Did the same thing to us. And you know, hey, we didn't. Did we? Did we complain about your dodgy tackles and send them elbows? Like, no, we're going to do that right now. <laughs> 
I have, I have axe to grind with that. I'm disappointed in some of their players. Fabian Cher, you, you tried to hurt, hurt, hurt a fellow countryman. He's your national team captain, your teammate, and you, you left a foot in on him. Dirty. Mm-hmm. Kieran Trippier, talk too much. Throwing elbows everywhere. Dirty. Bruno Guimaraes, Mr. Elbow Man. That's something I'm going to start calling you from here. Actually, I'm going to call you Elbow. Blonde <laughs> Elbow. Dirty. Everyone else was fine. But you lot in particular, oh, Callum Wilson, talk too much, but you're from the streets. The streets of where? You're from, you're from a nice area, man. You're from Coventry. Calm down. Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I didn't, underst- I didn't understand the audacity of Newcastle players to be complaining about the stuff that was happening, considering the things that the referee let go. Like, he was way out of his depth. Mm. What was your take on that battle at, up north and how did you think at Arsenal handled themselves? Well, it started off like real fun in the beginning because they had that guilted chance at the, at the beginning with... Um, mm. Was it Jacob Murphy? Yeah. That goes in. I think the game is very, very different. So that was your first kind of like warning to, you know, you know, this is good. This is a serious game. But then it's the one person you want to kind of step up to that is your captain that comes in with a fantastic goal. Long range, just lovely little daisy cutter along the line. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful goal. And I've got to add one thing. He said he did the exact same goal against this Tottenham at their stadium. So it's a thing that he's working on. It's a, it's, I think it's going to become his little trademark finish. Little thing. But as a result, is that he's at what fifteen Premier League goals. Mm. You know, could be a could be another Frank Lampard sort of thing. Midfield from scores goals from midfield. You never know. Never and no know. Pe- and no penalties. And no penalties as well. So here's you know, and he's still young, still young. So he's got time to think. Nah, it was fiery. It was hot. It was like there's a lot. It's kind of, it's the kind of thing you get, you kind of expect from especially from the Newcastle fans. With the season they're having and the expectations have shifted in the last two or three years. You know, obviously they're fighting for the Champions League, but you know, like Marcus said, if they got Europa League, I don't think they'd be too disappointed. You know, they would never expect this sort of thing at the start of the season, especially as it's finished at like finished like tenth last season. But you know, um, but I did see one thing that was quite interesting, and I'm, I want to be might be corrected on this. I saw who else was refereeing that game. Who was the main referee in the game as well? Um, it was. I want to say Chris Kavanagh, but I don't know if that's his name. But I was say Chris Kavanagh. You know who was second? I mean, you know who I also saw that game as well? And I thought I was getting just red flags everywhere. Mr. I swear this, I swear is Anthony Taylor. Yeah, fourth official. Fourth yeah. official. And that said, that looked, he, <laughs> I, have an, I have a big axe to grind with, him, grind with him with any game he's ever officiated for Chelsea. So I, you know, clearly he's got something against London clubs because so much was going ahead. Elbow, elbow, elbow. It was like a Randy Savage appreciation party or something. But you like I've said before, Arsenal of old would have rolled over and like, oh, he's touching, he's touching. But when you're, we got a bit more strength, you got a bit more discipline, and you know you got something to kind of aim and tend to fight for. You ride those punches, you ride it. He's like, fine, you do to us, fine. We'll just do to you. Same energy. You've opened that door. We're gonna walk right through. That's all. That's all it is. That's all it was. And you know, you handled that game. That was men. That was some. That's like the difference between boys and men playing that day, and that result could count massively going towards the end of the season. Absolutely yeah. massive. This is going to be a key thing because, you know, Newcastle on a bit of a tear. It was only, what, two weeks ago they opened six past Spurs mm. at the same stadium. So you rode that storm. So it's, like, it's kind of like, you know, what worse you can do with us? You use your elbows, you use your feet, you use your leg, you use your mouth, bring it on. So, mm. yeah, it's, this is going to be a, like I've said before, I've said it again, this title race is going to the end. It's going to the end. I'm standing by that. And for games like that. Yeah, I think there's one more twist to come. But Newcastle players, they forgot to play football. You know, they played football, but then at times they forgot 
that, you know, they, they were on a head, shoulders, knees and elbows rotation <laughs> instead of just playing the game. But it's it's all fine. I want to throw a player to you, Mark, who I think has had a really good um, season in particular. And there's been some talk in the press about him potentially getting a move out of the club. And I feel like he'll be a bit premature of all he's been through. And that's Mr. Granite Xhaka. Not your flavor of the month. I know he is like Marmite to a lot of us, but he's, I like him. I got a soft spot for him. He's grown on me. He, he, you know, he, he's, he's like when we had Jack Wilshire. You've got to have that player that's a bit of an asshole to everyone else, but he's your asshole, so you love him. <laughs> What's been your take on his performance in that game and just a general overview of him this season for Arsenal? Um, yeah, he was, he was good against Newcastle. Um, you know, I think, I think my... My my biggest gripe with a player like Granit Xhaka is that he should be experienced enough to know when to leave it, and he doesn't. And I think that's the thing that that bothers me with a player like Granit Xhaka is that is that whilst it works and it's okay, you know, six out of ten of the, the times, the other four out of the ten of the times, he reacts and it changes the entire game, and it costs you two points, you know take you back to Anfield um and and I, I think I think that's the thing that bothers me with it but you know you look at the way he played in the Newcastle game that block was sensational like blocked a mm. clear goal um of the tackle on um Willock like um and you know also how many times have you seen other players in that position who when the ball comes to Willock and he puts it in the net from six yards out, it still stood, you know, 15 yards outside the penalty box, you know, with his hands on his head being like, oh no, so devastating. Can't believe it's gone in. Like, well, you know, Granny Shack is not messy for pace. So if he can get back, so can the rest of you guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so fair play, um, you know, to, to Granite. And, you know, but again, there are moments in that game where his aggression almost got the better of him and if it wasn't for his own players holding him back he'd have gone and put you know his fist through someone's face and you know maybe, maybe that's just his nature and his and his kind of personality and it's the way he's wired and, it's, and, and it shows he cares and and yeah if you're an Arsenal fan I'm sure you can in some ways embrace that and you know take the negative that that, that kind of comes you know the downside that kind of comes with it because of the fact that you you know at the end of the day like you know he's on 100 grand a week or whatever it is but when he leaves the pitch he's feeling what you're feeling as a fan and that's what you want from your players you don't want your players to be walking off after losing 2-0 away to Newcastle and be like yeah but I'm gonna still get paid so who cares right like you know you you want them to feel the pain on the journey back to London that you're feeling on the journey back to London because you're like you know they're the ones that are going to fix it so if they're not feeling what I'm feeling then you know we're screwed and then you know that's why a manager like Jurgen Klopp is such a highly prized manager outside of his footballing you know management ability is that is that you know with every you know step along the way you know he's feeling what you're feeling when he goes and celebrates in the face of the fourth official he does that because you would do that like you know that's what you would want to do as the mm -hmm. fan be like you have screwed us so badly for 90 minutes like you know get in like that's what you would want um so yeah you, you know i think that's there's pros and cons to granite um you know and i think that the cons can be quite sharp but you know, fair play to the way he played against Newcastle. It was a good performance. Yeah, he, he definitely turned up and did a job and I was quite happy with him for what he did. I want to throw one more player at you, Mark. I want to talk about the captain, Martin Erdegaard, who I have been critical at times of this season because I feel like when you're that good and that capable, you should do better and deliver more. But he definitely turned up 
quite a lot in this game and got us a very crucial goal to make it 1-0 and just was a constant um, source of calmness and availability and his pass selection, his moves, everything was was on the money. And But for Bukayo and Martinelli being a little bit casual and himself in their finishing, might have actually left there with a nice 5-0 or 4-0 win. But um, what's your views on Martinelli Garden and how close do you think he is to being the player of the season this year for the league? Yeah, look, I, I think Odegaard has, has been brilliant. And, and you know, whilst I know there's been criticisms from, you know, the Arsenal the Arsenal faithful for not stepping up in enough big games, I think he heard you. And, you know, the last couple of games has been very good, um, you know, when it's mattered. And, and yeah, I think, I, think he's a, I think he's a talented footballer. Um, he is really starting to show some of what we hope to see um, and, and expect um of, of of such a young and highly rated player kind of coming into his own um but you know i also think you know erlen harland has just been so good that you know he's he's gonna get player of the year most likely but you know i, I think if arsenal win the title and odegaard you know to me has been arsenal's most impact impactful important player in what would be an incredible title victory, and I think a case could be made. Um, but you know, I still think with it being individual awards and Haaland breaking, you know, Premier League records, he'll probably he'll probably win that. But yeah, fantastic player, very important season. Um, and you know, you say fifteen goals and fifteen assists is kind of where you want to be for you know, a, a good quality season as a midfielder. Like, you know, this is where Vinny Jr. is like hitting standards that are quite ridiculous because he's up there with like 20 odd goals and 20 odd assists. And you're like, yeah, fair play, mate. Like, you know, you're really hitting high numbers and standards here. Um, you know, but I think from Odegaard's perspective, this season and contributions, it's been very, very good. Yeah, he's definitely been on the money. And I'm, I've been I'm happy with him. Like I said, because of his technical quality, when you're that good, you you, you know, more is expected of you and you need to deliver. And that was one of the biggest problems with Meza Ozil in the the latter days of his time at Arsenal, in that because he was so capable, you know, you were judged harsher. And even if he had an okay day, if he wasn't really influencing the play, like Meza Ozil can't have a a game like say Conor Gallagher, for example, where it's like he's there and he does his job, but doesn't get a goal or assist and doesn't really make a key pass. It's like it's not you can't do that. Conor Gallagher can be that pressing engine in the team and it's fine because it facilitates the bigger picture, but Meza isn't, isn't that. I just want to talk about two final Arsenal players and we're going to move on to the bottom of the table and what is turning out to be one of the most exciting relegation races for everyone else, not the guys down there. I know you're all <laughs> suffering and I, f I feel your pain. Southampton, I really believe you're going to make it out, especially after you almost spoiled our party. I really believe you're going to make it out. But now, what was the point? What was the point? What was the point? You just, you just ruined it for nothing. Anyway, Kivior and Jorginho, and I want to say them both as a pair because they're two players that you could argue in the last series series of games, they could have probably come in against Southampton, um, against West Ham, probably both could have probably got minutes there, but they both come in and looked quite comfortable and looked quite good. I think Jorginho had a brilliant game against West Ham, got man in the match, which a lot of us um, fans feel like that's probably wasn't deserved. I mean, Erdegaard was shocked when he got it himself which is quite funny at the end of the game. <laughs> which is, oh, you want it. What for? Um, but like, what do you think, Matthew, about George? I know you you, you guys you guys had a love-hate relationship with him. You let him go. 
He scored you at the Emirates on what you missed out on. He made Enzo Fernandez look like Matteo Genduzzi's long lost cousin. It was absolutely <laughs> embarrassing how poor Enzo looked um, next to Jorginho. But how, how do you rate what he's done so far in the, in the limited games he's had at Arsenal? He's slotted in like really, really well. Um, I know you've been, you've had your tabs on him before. I think it was a year and a half ago or so mm-hmm. when we, we, in the times where he was absolutely delivering, we're never going to let him go. But, you know, second time around, I see why he's there. He very much fits the thing. And I think he's good where he has players that he can send it off to, you know, that's why, he, that's why his role is so, and like Man City wanted him so much. At the moment right now, it doesn't work because of, of going forward, we have like zero confidence. We can't exactly send it to anyone because they're not going to score. They, they don't want, they, they can't put it behind the net. I want to take you back to actually find off Lampard's first stint when you had him there and you had one Tammy Abraham. There were some passes that he was pulling off yeah. and he would just find Tammy Abraham through nothing. And I think even in that season, he got like, for his first Premier League season as a main striker, he got like 17 goals, which, you know, is absolutely fantastic. But that's because you could find him. Tammy had so much confidence to literally take the ball and go off leading that line. And he did absolutely absolutely brilliant and that's where he's well and look who you have now you've got jesus you've got martinelli you've got saka and you know if he wants to try and find Odegaard, somehow he can his his passing ability is really really good what he's not good at is being under pressure but because he has players around him like Partey and like shaka it's he's he's all right he, he doesn't feel like he's got a mistake he's less likely to make a mistake with you guys as he would with us and with us at times especially going on to the Champions League run. He's run under, he's run under Maurizio Sarri as well, which doesn't get talked about enough. He was he was so integral. At one point, I thought he'd be our captain. Really did one point he'd be our captain because he's very good at telling people where he wants you, where he wants them to go, you know. So he's done, you know, but this is where he's good. Mm. This is where he's good, you know. But don't, don't if when, you get, when the bad eventually does come around at some point in the future, don't say we didn't warn you. Because when he first came to Chelsea, he was great. Fantastic. And, you know, cheeky penalties, easy man. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Georgina is going to be at Arsenal long-term, but I'm I'm pretty happy with what he's done. And young Kivior, you know, he came in, looked reliable, looked solid. Mm. Can't argue with his performance. Definitely showed why Rob Holding should have been put out of the team a lot sooner. <laughs> um, when you look back, when we look back at the season as a whole, uh, Mark, outside of the... The fact that Arsenal, in those games in particular, like Liverpool away, West Ham at home, Southampton, West Ham away, sorry, Southampton at home. Do you think Arteta will look back, maybe not necessarily at Liverpool because that's a special case game, but the other two games, do you think he might look back and regret not making that change at centre-back sooner? Or is it more a case of offensively, we should have just played better and not been like bozos at times? Oh, well, Southampton, you went behind really early. Um, and... You know, I think the West Ham game was all, you know, all um, you know, of your own making. You know, you had the lead, you missed a penalty to to restore that lead comfortably again, and they went up the pitch and scored a minute or two later. Um, you know, and and I think it was all all your own making, to be honest. Um, you know, I I think Arteta is probably the type of manager that will look back and and you know, not necessarily regret, but think, yeah, maybe I should have made this move sooner or done something different. But, you know, I, I think he is the type of person to look at the detail. And in lots of cases, that's good. Um, you know, it's what you want in your manager, someone that's able to look and evaluate, you know, even the wins and not be happy. Because I think that is, you know, one of the, one of the you know, the key qualities of being an elite manager is 
you know, your team wins 6-0 and you look at it and you say, mm, yeah, but here, here and here is where we fell short. And, you know, because just because you've put the, the ball in the net doesn't mean that your performance was a whole performance. Um, and I think fans often glaze over that. Um, because we won, we got the points at the end of the day, and the points are what matter. But in terms of if we want to get the points again next week, you know, then we need to be able to look and evaluate these things well um, to be able to make sure we made the right moves. And you know, no manager is going to make the right move for the entire season. And Arsenal was inevitably going to go through a period where they dropped points and they lost games. It, it, it was it was somewhat inevitable. And and you know, Man City will remind you that you can lose only one game in a Premier League season and still not win the title. So. You know, the competition is mm. quite intense um, with a team as good as Man City. But, but yeah, I think all in all, Arteta has done a great job, um, you know, with this Arsenal team. And, you know, he's he's got to make decisions. And that is one he may look back and say, oh, I wish I made that earlier. But at the end of the day, um, you know, he's also made a lot of good decisions that he probably hasn't been praised for too. So That's a fair counterpoint. And, yeah, I think that's definitely the way how a lot of us look at it. It's been it's been an exciting season and and um yeah, those, those that three game run in particular leading up to Man City away, this it's one that it stings a lot. But as I say, it ain't over yet. And I believe there's a couple more twists coming in that tail. And as long as we stay within touching distance, we might, we might just pit them to the post. Um I don't want to get my hopes up, but you know you you know what I believe. So <laughs> I've been saying, I've been banging that drum since December. My perspective hasn't changed. We're going to head down to the bottom of the table, um, or as I call it, the Dirty South. But um, Southampton sitting at the bottom, rooted on 24 points. And we've got Leeds and Leicester, Rodham, both on 30 points. Goal difference is a 10, points dif- 10 goals difference between Leeds and Leicester, with Leeds having minus 25 and Leeds, Leicester having minus 15. Then Everton outside the bottom three on 32 points with minus 21 goal difference. Nottingham Forest above them on 33 with minus 31. And then there's West Ham above them on 37. But I think at this point in time, West Ham are relatively safe. I think their next game week, if they get the three points, or even a draw, that will be enough to keep them out of, of that contention. But looking at that, those bottom five teams, there's a lot to play for. And... Um, I just want to talk about the, the fixtures coming up. So Leeds have got Newcastle, West Ham, and then Tottenham as their final three games of the season. Massive game for them on, on Saturday against Newcastle. If they don't win it or don't get points on the board, it might really look like they might be on the way back down again. Like, How would you assess that and their chances of getting a result against Newcastle? I mean, they were nearly there against Man City. Mm. They were nearly there, and then he thought the twist would come back. We're like, ooh, Big Sam comes in the first game, you know, we want to new manager bounce. I mean, for one, they defended better and maybe switching the keeper up, giving the back for a little bit more confidence. I don't know. But are they home or away for Newcastle? They are at home. Well, I've been saying for a long time, with teams like this, your home games are going to count. And unfortunately for Leeds, it hasn't really. But a new manager who knows how to defend and, you know, potentially park the bus and play a more boring, albeit safer kind of football. But it's Newcastle and they're... You know, Liverpool, they're going to understand that Liverpool are right on their back. So it's going to be tough. But you have to remember that, like, Leeds, Leeds on the big side of Man City, they got to half time at 0 0. They did. They looked respectable. Not great, but it's, respectable. It's they not, were alive. It's not impossible. It's yeah. not impossible. They, they're going to at least pick up two points. I can see them pick up at least two points in those games. Okay. At well, least two points. What's your take, Mark? What do you think Leeds have a chance? 
or is it done? No, I think they do. I think they do. I think Newcastle are going to feel the pressure. Um, you know, I, I obviously want Leeds to to do well in that game, but I I do think I do think Newcastle are going to feel the pressure, and that Leeds do have the opportunity to build upon what they did at Man City, which you know is what most teams down there don't do against Man City, which is getting humiliated. So you know they you know they got a late goal back with um, you know after you know Gundogan missed the penalty and and you know who knows where where it could have gone you know if they'd have had an extra 10 minutes but at the end of the day i think i think the good positive signs to take for leads from that game and they've got to take them into the newcastle game and be on the front foot and you know it also wouldn't be surprising me if newcastle won four nil so you know i think that is the nature um of of that type of game and you know i'll be I'll be getting ready at lunchtime, um, you know, with my Leeds top on, supporting the Leeds, you know, come on, the mighty Leeds. <laughs> yeah, we need we need, we need you to stay up. We need we need you to get them three points. We all have something riding on it. Not so much Chelsea, but we all have something riding. We need you in the league. You know what I'm saying? Nice to have you there, man. We need, we need more Yorkshire representation. It's important. It's very important. You know, diversity and inclusion. Yorkshire men have to be here. <laughs> Moving up to the team who have absolutely capitulated. And if you were to tell a Leicester fan that they would have, in, in, you know, in the space of five years, would have won the league, won the FA Cup and the League Cup and be on the verge of relegation after surviving, narrowly being relegated before the start of this run of success, they wouldn't believe you. They would not believe you. But Le- Leicester, well, that's where we are. <laughs> Mark, where do you think it's gone wrong for Leicester? And do they have a chance under Dean Smith of making it out of this absolute cesspit of relegation that they're in right now? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tight. Um, they've really fallen apart. They have, they have the best players of them bottom teams to be able to, yeah. to, be able to muster something together. You know, Madison, Madison is quality. Vardy on his day is still a very good finisher. Um, Dak is not a bad finisher. Like... Um, mm. you know, they, they, you know, they they have the players for me. And Diddy is a very good player. I know he's not played much this season, but in terms of you thinking of players, if Leicester got relegated, who you'd sign? You know, Yuri Tilsman. Um, Leicester, Leicester have a yeah, good yeah. squad. They should not be getting relegated. Um, but you know, it's one of them where it's not worked out, and then they've took the chance on you know another manager. If, if anything, for Leicester though, like what a journey in. It must be to be a Leicester fan. They, they, you know, better than being, you know, Southampton, who have, you know, been in the Premier League for eleven years and are, you know, have basically just, you know, not done much in that time. Like, you know, probably not even had any higher than like a tenth place finish. Maybe, um, you know, it's um, it, it's certainly a journey. It's certainly enjoyable. Um, you know, I, I think Leicester will probably stay up, but. You know, hopefully they do that after Monday night because, you know, we need the three points. <laughs> no, man, that's crazy. Like, I see what you mean by the, having the best players, though. Like, you think about it, their squad's actually got, like, proper, like, international talent in there. Like, you can actually show Tillemans, yeah. Vardy, Madison, Barnes, um, Siongchu. Um, they got, they got Ricardo. Is it Pereira? Pereira, yeah. Pereira, yep. yeah. He scored a good goal against Chelsea earlier this season. They've got, they got some ballers. they got some players. It's just a bit of a surprise, really. They shouldn't be where they are based on their squad. They really shouldn't. I mean, yeah. Sonchi was frozen out of their, their team. I actually thought he was sold. 
Nah, he just wasn't he playing. Was, he was just, Brendan Rodgers was just like, nah, I don't fancy him anymore. Just let him out. Like, he was one of your best defenders yeah. last season. Are you crazy? But, I mean, it's tough for them. Newcastle, I mean, Liverpool first, which that's a, that, that'll be defeat, obviously. Um, I mean, you never know, but with all due respect, Liverpool are going to win. You would hope so. right? We're not expecting you guys not to get it. If, for all parties involved, that's very important for all of us. Then they got Newcastle and then West Ham to end it all. I mean, by, by the West Ham game, that could be a, a gimme because West Ham hopefully will have Europa Conference League final to mm. look ahead to. They should be safe by then. I think Roger, I think, uh, not Roger, Moyes will, sit, will rest key players and focus on that full time. He's had an incredible rollercoaster journey at West Ham this season from being on the verge of getting sacked to fighting back to being on the verge of a cup final. Incredible. And then it's just it's just that middle game against Newcastle. Like, what Newcastle will turn up? Will they still have a fight in them to try and make Champions League? Will they? I mean, hope. I mean, you, you'd hope, like, and you'd hope that by numbers, Newcastle would have enough to still be in top four. Man United would drop out, and then Liverpool would really? just leapfrog them, and then that would just be top four set, and then Newcastle can just chill and take their foot off the gas uh, and crumble. But it's just gonna be very hard for them. But it looks like they them alongside Southampton are in really big trouble really because trouble. you just don't know where the, the win's going to come from. They've got the goals, they've got the players, but it's just, can they get that vital three points? And then we're going to go over to your your neighbours, Mark, you know, your six-point season neighbours. I'm going to start with you on this one, uh, Matthew. Massive game coming up on Sunday. No pressure. But Sean Dyche, you owe us one, right? <laughs> you owe us one. Same with Southampton. <laughs> we gave you guys some charity-free points. For some, well, well, no, Samson was a draw, but you know, we gave you a charity free point to start your reign off. And how did you repay us for that favor? You didn't. You have been a disappointment, Sean Dyche. I expect better from you. I'm disappointed, very disappointed. So I'm not asking for much. I'm really not asking. All I'm asking for is at least a draw. A win would be it would be amazing, but just hold out for a draw. I don't care if it's a nil-nil and you stink out the joint. I don't care if you have every man behind the bus, behind the, the ball, including the, the team bus. I don't care what you do. I don't care if, if you know, somehow, some way, Gundawan and, and them guys are unable to finish the game. I don't care. Whatever it takes, don't lose. How do you see that game going? You know what? This is what I mean by a twist and how the titles could go like all the way, there is somewhere for them to slip. If it's not against us, could it be in Everton? They got that 5-1, a surprising 5-1 yep. at a perfect time. Never in my wildest dreams I think they were going to win, let alone put five behind Brighton who have had a really good season. And it's just like, it, it's, it's set up to be that way. You know, they go on a bit of a, a run of, you know, a run of games where it just kind of works out where at this point of the season, you can't afford to drop any real points. So a draw would be good, but it, a win would be better. And I think deep down that they are, they are going to know that. And I think Man City fighting on all these fronts are going to have to bring their A game pretty much all these games. That's the, that's the thing where the position they're in now, they're well aware that the club behind them will put everything into it, but also the clubs below them, way below them, they'll put it all into it. So their players are going to be pushed on three fronts, FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League towards the end of the season. So I reckon this, this game, if it goes anything like the Leeds game, where, you know, because Leeds gave me, like you said, 45 minutes, no goals. That's it. And that was a home. They're aware of Goodison and Goodison's going to be singing. Goodison's going to be rocking. So I don't know. There's something, something controversial is going to happen in this game. 
whether mm. it's a scoreline, a, a decision, something to do with VAR, something's going to happen. I just don't know what it is. I hope it's in our, all of our team, all of our best interests and not against us. Um, <laughs> but on that note, um, Man City had a very tough game against Real Madrid. They worked them hard. Kyle Walker was drenched in sweat after 30 minutes. In fact, the commentator was just like, look, Kyle Walker, he's wet. And I was like, steady. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he, was, he was drenched in sweat. Like, I've never seen Kyle Walker look like that before, ever. Mm. Have you ever seen Kyle Walker look like he's just dumped in, jumped in the sea and playing a football match? Vinicius ran him ragged. I think that game was not just physically taxing. I think it was mentally taxing too. Mm. And I'm wondering if with the way how that game went, because it's poised at 1-1, no, neither team has the advantage. Madrid had some good chances, well saved. Same with Man City. So it's quite even. Will Pep decide to flip, mix things up in the hope that they can secure this league title? But where do you see that mark going, Mark? And what do you think is likely to happen? Yeah, like I think Everton have nothing to lose, right? Like, you know, they're just outside the relegation zone. They need to win, but it's Man City. And, you know, everybody knows playing Man City if you're not, you know, the likes of another top team, it's basically just a gimme. And, you know, we say that they put four past Liverpool and four past you guys as well. So inevitably, yeah. like, you know, Man City is a tough, tough ask. But I think that gives the Everton, you know, mentality one of, well, we, we have nothing to lose. So let's just go and give it give it a shot let's do what we can we need points to stay up like um and 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 football is a football is a weird one like you know i would inevitably you know any other any other stage in the season be like yeah three nil man city comfortable you know i expect them to yeah. win um but you know some there's something about football when a team down there needs points to stay up um you know and and I think it could be. I think it could be an interesting one. Yeah, I think. I think we're set for a, a super interesting weekend of fixtures. Um, you oh, know, I really, think it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to to see how it goes. And last but not least, Nottingham Forest. Tough, tough, tough. I I really enjoyed their game Wicked, against yeah. um, Southampton. I felt sorry for Southampton because I, I I never would have expected it would have gone the way it did. But I, I really felt sorry for them. But hey, this is how it goes. For you, Mark, obviously they've got Chelsea next and they've got Arsenal. And they were saying, well, we hope by then Arsenal had nothing to play for. You don't know Arsenal if that's what you're wishing for, Morgan Gibbs, right? The one thing you want is Arsenal to have something to play for in that game rather than nothing. Because if we've got nothing to play for, we'll smash you for seven. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why, that's just how we are. If we've got something to play for, it'll be a tight game. But if we've got nothing to play for, we'll, we'll play it. Seven balls, yeah. Look at us against Chelsea. Oh, it's all over. Oh, look, the goals came back. You know, it's just, I don't know, something about the team, but we'll figure it out. But um, do you think, looking at it, Mark, do you think they're, they're safe now and there's not much to worry about? No, they're definitely not safe yet, especially considering they have two tough teams coming up and you know they could lose them two games and all of a sudden they're right back in the mix and back in the relegation zone I, I i think i wouldn't say they're safe but i think they are the best footballing side of the five teams mm. at the bottom and and to me maybe would be a team i'd like to see stay up just because i i like i like the way they play like and i know you know i know they get battered 
in some games surprisingly but then they you know they you know they beat liverpool this season and you know they come and they pull some results and you're like where did that come from the brighton game a couple of weeks ago like mm. you know so yeah. I, I i i like what i see with, with Nottingham forest and i hope they stay up but i i don't think it's over yet and i think it's unfortunate for them they have two tough games coming up in in, in a row um with arsenal and chelsea um and that palace game the last game of the season might actually might actually matter do you think you'll give them three points to stay up well, well, here's the thing: like we could, all, it could all go for nothing. That Bournemouth game might mean nothing. We just go and just bend over and just watch them do what they do at Stamford Bridge. It could very much turn out that way. But oh, I said it once, I said it again. With a team like that, I think they're very much. They remind me of Leeds when they first got promoted, where it's like they will, they certain places they won't necessarily bow down, but if they leave, if they leave it open enough, they will they will take a battering but if you look at the games like the Brighton game the Liverpool was the Liverpool game that was at home wasn't it where you got beat um, at, at their home yeah so City City ground so City so City Chelsea and Liverpool they all came away with a draw or a win so I've said that once I've said it again their their survival with six, considering they've just been promoted back to the Premier League this season will come down to their home games but very easily because of the form that we've had previously, we could very easily just go there and not bother turning up because we're convinced that we're safe. So again, I want them to stay because I really like them. It's great having another historical club back that back up there. Um, but I think they, I don't, if it doesn't happen against us, because I think what free Chelsea Palace and then Chelsea Arsenal and Palace, they could pick up a win from anywhere. They really can. I just think it's more likely to happen, more likely to happen in their home games. But we just, I, I don't know, because they, they didn't got a job on us back in December or January. So I don't know. But I think it's going to be their home game is going to be pivotal. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But, um, well, they have a home game against Arsenal coming up. I, 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 and for all due respect, Nottingham Forest, that'll be the one game when you guys just um, let us run through you <laughs> like a train. Sorry, but is what it is. I don't care. We've got bigger things to play. We've we've both got big things to play for, but um, by then hopefully we, we the rest of us have done you a favour and you'll be fine. Um, I think we'll leave it there. Really, Everton big game this weekend. No pressure, but like I said, you owe us one. So please, Sean Dyche, Everton players, Alex Iwobi, do it for Hale End. Do it for your uncle. <laughs> do it for yourself, please. <laughs> and on that note we're going to sign off thanks for listening hope you have a great rest of the week and you enjoy the rest of the football coming up and if you're a fan of the teams that are at the bottom I really wish you all the best unless you're playing one of the two teams in red then it is what it is if you're playing the team in blue do what you got to do see you all next time peace peace